Hello, I'm Stuart Childs and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With heavy rainfall across the country in the last few weeks, even dry farms are reaching saturation point, so I thought it would be worth hearing about some of the learnings from the Heavy Soils Programme. I asked Pat Tui, Heavy Soils Programme Coordinator, to discuss some of the learnings from the last 10 years of the programme, and I started by asking Pat to give me some background to the reasons for the establishment of the Heavy Soils Programme in the first place, back in the late 2000s. If we think back to 2008, 2009, 2012, it wasn't just the shoulders of the year, it was it was in, well into the middle of the year, we are getting wet conditions, so um, I suppose that's what drove on the programme. Historically, there would have been a number of research farms on heavier soils, the likes of Kilmele and, and, and Baden Road um, and others over the years, but but those had tended to, or were not longer, I suppose, uh, under the research uh, side of the organisation. So there was, um, I suppose there was a, a focus or a pressure there that there should have been a focus more so on, on dealing with these types of soils and away from, from the more parks that you mentioned and away from some of the drier soils. Um, and that's where the programme started really in terms of there was a good proportion the, the, uh, of the milk pool coming, the estimate is about 30% coming from heavier soils. So the question was, you know, could we be doing more from um, a research point of view and uh, from on those soil types and a management point of view and, and getting advice out there in terms of improving management of those soils. Um, so yeah, as you say, it's up and running probably 10 years plus at this point, but that was the the start of it all back, back in 2011, 12. And you have a couple of, we'll say, a couple of long-established farms on it, but you've also recruited some new farms recently or in recent years as well. Um, was that just to broaden the programme? We'll say it was very much focused on the southwestern side of the country originally. These new farms are kind of further north. Yeah, so we had seven farms in Munster uh, initially, and those are the, the the original hardcore, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, we moved around then in terms of a farm in Mayo and in Cross Malina, a farm in Cavan in Stradone, um, David Brady and a farm in Monaghan, uh, James McMahon near Swan's Cross in Monaghan. And I suppose, like any programme, we're always, I suppose, looking every couple of years to to add a few names maybe or potentially to add a few farms. So we're actually at that process again now in terms of looking in different regions of the country and, and seeing what might be out there in terms of, of broadening out the message. I suppose the the farmers that are on the programme today have made have made good progress and there's kind of a, a fairly clear blueprint there now in terms of how they are being run and how they're being managed and, and there's a bit more there's a lot more resilience in those systems in terms of, of dealing with the wet conditions that might come at any time of the year. So it's about, I suppose, spreading the, the message really into other parts of the country and and, and freshening it up for, for all of us really and truly. So um yeah, we started off in, in Munster, but we're spreading the wings all the time, I suppose. Okay, so still recruiting currently. Uh, so if people are interested, maybe to contact their own advisors, maybe we'll get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as I said, and if there's particular regions, which there always is, um, more and more, we, we, we joked in the past that you could have maybe one in every parish, but I don't think we'll get to that uh, extreme. But um, there's plenty of uh, regions around the country that, that would would be suited um to, to the, the messages i suppose or the the management um the ideas around management of these soils that we're we're uh we're, we're promoting yeah so <clears throat> you mentioned there that the we'll say the, the lads that are involved in the program there have come on quite a lot in the last number of years what would their key learnings be for those farms um 
and I suppose look we'll get into a few bits and pieces of it a little bit more detail in a minute but just kind of an overall what, what's the been, been the big benefit for them uh, from what they've said to you yeah, sure. The, the, it started off, look, the, the key issue being soils being overly wet and, and waterlogging and, and the, the um, antidote or the solution there, I suppose, was, was land drainage and improving um, the research and the practice in terms of, of land drainage design and installation. And look, there had been a good lot of work done uh, again in the 70s and 80s and in a pre-quota era, I suppose, in terms of, of looking at, at suiting uh, particular drainage systems to particular soils and, and maximizing returns from from drainage works but that had kind of gone out of fashion i suppose to a degree um so that was the first area that we were looking at um and as the program developed then and we started to get more and more involved with the guys in question it became clear there was issues around you know soil fertility was a major issue um not so much grassland management, but but access around around uh, the periods we're talking about in terms of wet conditions. So so simple things like grazing infrastructure and roadways and, and paddock access and stuff like that. That again is relatively straightforward, but maybe wasn't fully set up as as it could have been. Uh, and that's an issue generally across the industry. I suppose it's fair to say, uh, particularly as as herds have got a bit larger. Um, so those were the the major things in terms of of dealing with soils directly, I suppose, access to the land, drainage of the land and improving soil fertility. And then, you know, um, the guys as well were fairly progressive in terms of, of breeding and genetics and EBI and infrastructure around the yards and, and facilities and everything else. So depending on on the year in question or the, the day in question or the farm you're talking about of the, of the 10 as it was in the programme, Different issues were, you know, in focus at different times, but but largely they, they were the, the ones I've outlined there. Okay. And then you obviously said that the programme kind of started initially focusing on the, the land drainage piece, really. What kind of maintenance of drainage work are the farms doing currently, we'll say, for the drains that would have been maybe installed initially? There would have been a lot of a lot of focus on that at the time. We'll say there would have been articles in, in the press and so forth about the work that was being done on the different farms. Is it still an important piece of the, the whole process, the maintenance of those drains and further drainage taking place on the farms as well? Yeah, I suppose what we were pushing at the time uh, and still are <coughs> around the, um, you know, the assessing soils appropriately and, and suiting the drainage system to a particular soil type um, and, and then setting it up in such a way that the, the system will pay for itself ultimately and see a return. That, that went on, uh, as you said, there was a lot of coverage of that over the years. There's anything from, again, depending on the farm, you know, 30% to 75 or 80% of the land area that's probably subjected to drainage at this stage, um, if you look back over a, a 10 or 15 year period. Um, we're, we're, I suppose we're also wary in terms of the issues that come with that. Uh, we're, we're very clear that we're, we're um, Spending a good, uh, putting a good bit of focus into keeping an eye on water quality and measuring and measuring that and, and how drainage and management around these soil types might affect that. We're also, I suppose, keenly aware in terms of the, the management of organic soils and peat soils. So that the program, um, there's about well, we've mapped all the, all the soils on the farms. There's seventy one percent of the soils that are that are wet mineral soils. Um, well, they're not all necessarily wet, but that are mineral soils, and, and, and the majority of them are relatively wet soils. So that's where the, the drainage works tends to be focused. Um, and then the other part of your question, I suppose, in terms of maintenance, yeah, there, there has to be um, 
and I suppose I've always, anyone who's heard me speaking before, have said it, if we could maintain what was already in the ground um, and keep an eye on it and keep it managed, uh, the need for additional drainage would be reduced. But um, it tends to be the nature of it when it's when it's uh, buried and when it's relatively dirty work, I suppose, to, to keep it maintained, it tends to be um, put on the back burner to a degree. Um, but in terms of keeping open drains, any obstructions are there and they don't need to be, you know, clean bare or anything like it. Um, uh, you know, there doesn't need to be a, an over um, egging of, of the thing in terms of cleaning drains. But if there's any obvious obstructions, they can be removed or kept an eye on. If there's blockages to the outlets of, of field drains, they should be rotted or, or cleaned um, periodically. Um, so it's a matter of just keeping an eye and, and, and keeping keeping things moving, I suppose, when, when where they need to be moving. Um, and that's, you know, it's like maintaining anything, uh, anything in terms of equipment or machinery or anything else. It's a it's an ongoing battle. And then, then Justin, is there, or you said that there's variance from 30% up to 80% of the soils that need draining maybe on the farms that you're dealing with. So are there farms in the program still actually draining? We'll say on some of the newer guys that have come in maybe on, on an upward line in terms of the amount of drainage that they are doing or work that they're doing. Yeah, I suppose the, the, the 30 to 80% I was mentioning was, was the amount that's actually drained. Um, yeah. So yeah, there is, there is still, and I suppose like any system, maintained or not there's probably some older part, older systems on the farms that need to be that would be replaced every so often so there's there's nearly always a call for for some additional work um depending on the farm there, there might be more to do or less to do but but there is there is ongoing work um generally speaking all the time yeah and how critical then pat i suppose in terms of like there's drainage work probably takes place every year on lots of farms around the country, but like the quality of it sometimes can be questionable. Maybe the how critical has been has has the success of their the program of works that the lads have engaged in been in terms of the actual advice that they got to make sure that what they were doing was the right process to do, like as opposed to just getting a digger in and digging drains here there everywhere, and eventually they they work for a period probably like, but eventually they stop or they may not work at all. But you feel good that you've done it like there's a good bit of variability in terms of what's done out there and i suppose um you know again simple things or simple tweaks in terms of depths of drains or in terms of, of installing um you know systems that, are, that supplement the drains in terms of gravel mold drains or in terms of, of subsiling or something that that amplifies the effect of the drainage really is, is what we're talking about so it's 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 suiting the system that that Suiting the soil with a, with a particular drainage system is key. And look, there's there's information out there. There's a drainage manual that we've published uh, earlier this year that's available up online as a PDF, or it's it's um, available to buy as a hard copy. There's plenty of information out there, and as I said, we're spreading the, the the word for the last number of years on it. Those fields that have been drained, I suppose there's, and if you can go back to the the pasture based data and the stuff that's been recorded on. On farm walks and covers, there's there's anything from you know four to six or seven tons per hectare per year of an increase in terms of production. Um, so yes, they can be expensive systems, and and um, the systems that we've installed in some of the, some parts of the farms are fairly intense and and expensive as a result. But where they work and work well, there's a return to be had there. You know, so it's it's I suppose what. What frustrates us at times is 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 just seeing different systems in different parts of the country that are 
I suppose underdone or, or not suited to particular soil, and there's still a there's still a, a cost there, and there's money being spent, but they're not uh, controlling the water table, or they're not, um, I suppose, yielding any kind of a return. Um, so obviously, there's a they might they might work out cheaper on a per hectare basis as an upfront cost, but when there's no return, they're they're obviously, uh, you know, um, wasteful, or, or or there's no there's no um, there's no justification, I suppose, in terms of, of, of wasting money on a system that doesn't work. And you just kind of touched on it there as well. So the, just looking at the figures there from 2011 to 2021, um, there's a three ton difference in terms of the grass growing. And actually one of the years it would have been even higher than that um, or very, or nearly actually on the three ton. Um, how was, like you said there about the actual just being able to get at the fields pasture base, showing you that you've greater grass growing on those. Was there anything else that would have been influencing the level of growth on those farms and how and what's driven its increase like yeah so as i said the drainage uh, when done right has a big play in that uh the soil fertility hasn't been improving all the time look we still there's still ground to make up there and these soils are are difficult in terms of of showing a response in terms of of, of nutrient application the response mightn't always be as it would be on on, on soil on other soils that there's a high clay content of these soils so there's an issue there with with particularly with phosphorus getting locked up um but the the there is gains you made there. We've gone from I think two percent to paddocks initially when they were all tested in late 2013. Uh, we, we did the first full sweep of soil fertility uh, soil soil tests. Two uh, percent were optimum for pH, P, and K, and we're up to I think 28 percent as of the end of last year. So nationally, the figures I suppose 10 years ago were 10% when we were at 2% and now nationally figures are, you know, 20 to 25% and we're at 28. So look, we wouldn't necessarily be overly happy <coughs> from school with 28% in an exam, but um, considering where we are um, or where we started, I suppose we're, we're certainly moving in the right direction. And as I said, there's ground to be made up there. Um, getting out then in terms of access, grazing earlier in the year, um, the guys, I suppose, are doing a lot of walks. They're, they're averaging probably 35, 40 walks in the year. Some of them are up on, on 50. Um, not so much the, the well, the measurement is obviously uh, the, the, the purpose of doing the walk. But in terms of getting out at certain times of the year when the weather is a bit iffy and saying, you know, it's very easy to stand inside in the yard at times and say the place is wet and it won't be dry until X if it stops raining. But walking the farm regularly in the shoulders of the year, I suppose, shows up where there's potential grazings maybe. Getting access to those, be it roadways or spur roadways or access points. Um, they might be only sharp bouts, it might be only two or four hours, two or three or four hours out grazing, but they're getting a grazing in when um, when others mightn't, or when even themselves in the past mightn't have had the facility in terms of access or the 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 regular walks to try and assess where the the opportunities were um so I suppose that's a lot of it and of course then when they're getting out here during the year they're promoting growth and 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 all the rest of it so there's gains all the time there um and there's there's no one answer there there there's kind of a combination and if you look in detail at some of the data that's there and some of the paddocks that were drained you know seven eight ten years ago. Hmm. Yes, the drainage might have been fixed uh, as a as an overnight kind of a, a, a timeline, um, but then there was an issue maybe with fertility that had to come right. Then there was an issue with access that had to come right. So you can nearly see the progression over time in terms of, of production. 
uh, it didn't all get solved with the drainage, for example, or wouldn't all get solved with fertility coming right. But all the different elements being combined is 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 bringing that 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 ceiling up a bit higher in terms of of overall production. Yeah, so the sum of the parts is greater than all the individual pieces of in reality. Like, so um, I suppose like you've covered the grass a lot there. Like, but these farms have a lot of other things done right, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier there as well. They have very good EBI, they have very good six-week calving rates, which are probably almost fly in the face of heavy soils in that the theory would have been nearly that you shouldn't shouldn't calve too hard because you're sure you won't be able to get them out. Um, where, we'll say, what do you think, is there anything else, was mindset something that was different with these guys, do you think, relative to the general populace, or or was there, was it just luck? Yeah, no, look, I think they're, look, they're very good farmers, they're at the top of their game, there's no point saying otherwise, I think there's value, as, as everyone will know, listening in terms of discussion groups and a bit of peer pressure is great in terms of when whenever we meet and get, get in a room together for discussions, you know, we're always very transparent with our information and and everything is put up on, 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 on a screen and, and people can see fairly clearly when they're, you know, if there's certain aspects they're falling down, be it, you know, uh, costs in a particular year or the number of grazings in a particular year or the number of walks or whatever. So it it, it keeps us all honest, I suppose, to a degree. Um, there's a push there that you mentioned the six-week calving, I suppose, look, they'd probably be on average, probably maybe a week behind the mean calving date of, of, of a lot of the rest of the country or drier parts of the country. And that's to try and match up a bit better with 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 grass with access, I suppose, to grass as opposed to grass production. So with that, then I suppose they nearly need to be be better in terms of of, of um, six week calving rate and keeping them all to, um, coming relatively relatively as as one group uh, as much as possible. Um, and and the the EBI issue, I suppose. Look, they've 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 climbed fairly dramatically in in this in this the space the, pro, the period of the program. They're gaining, if you look back over the data, they're probably gaining 12 or 13 euro a year, uh, whereas, you know, an industry target is probably around 10. So, you know, they're they're pushing beyond that. So all those different aspects, again, I suppose they're 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 reasonably competitive as well, as I say. So the the if if there's a few front runners in any of these aspects, they'll usually pull the rest of them along with them, you know. Um so there's the look, the mindset is 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 there, is is right, and I suppose they're they're progressive or looking looking forward all the time um and 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 keeping everything in check then in terms of of, of improving i suppose or making it a more resilient uh, system or a more resilient business i suppose uh, as time goes on okay so i suppose uh, two final questions for you um just in relation to the, obviously we have the grass 10 program there which is trying to promote 10 grazings per paddock per year that I see from looking through the figures there that the number of grazings in 2021 was 7.1. Now it's not uh, it's no way not, not far off the pasture base average. Now it's 7.5 either, so it's not a not a negative, I suppose. But is there scope for more, or are they maxed out in reality? Like, is it just um, they're going to be beaten? And I suppose the role of the infrastructure that they have in the farmyard then as well to in in what in, in the role that that plays for them in terms of achieving what they're achieving too, maybe. Yeah, I suppose the the. One of the major things that we've always discussed as a group is is that um, yes, we're pushing more more grazings obviously all the time and and having the system set up as I described in terms of, of allowing that or having the facility to have more grazings. But that said, it should always be a choice in terms of they're not forced out and there isn't you know so that comes back to the the facilities in the air being right. 
and having sufficient reserves of fodder in the yard that there isn't, you know, a gun to anyone's head, uh, you know, uh, if if a winter goes on too long, that that you know they have to be left out, um, because on these soils, look, if they're soft and if they're wet, um, there is going to be a little bit of damage done, uh, if 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 stock is left out in 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 the wrong conditions, so. You know, it's it's that balancing out. They're not they're not going out regardless. There is still obviously a, a weather issue and a seasonal effect there at play all the time. But again, it's it's pushing those opportunities. So look, if you look in detail at the the figure you quoted was seven point one. Again, I suppose it goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. Some are a good bit above that average, and, and one or two are below that. So it's it's I suppose taking the learnings from the guys who are above that and and trying to bring everyone along uh, in terms of, of improving that average figure. I would say there is scope to improve it um, some on some some farms more than others. Um, and again, it's it's picking out those opportunities and getting those grazings where, where they can be got. Um, so it, it goes back to what I was saying, having access and having um, the foresight, I suppose, to, to, to have those areas picked out that are that might be opportunities when the weather starts to dry a bit at, at particular times of the year. I suppose the level of grazing management, you number, mentioned a number of walks there earlier as well, like it, it's nearly even more critical for the lads on the heavy soils because they have to take out surpluses when they arise because they need that surplus on the shoulder periods then as well. And that's the high quality material that's going to keep underpin the system when they're inside. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's that quality really is the word, Stuart, that they have it when they need it. Um and again, um there isn't that feeling, I suppose, that they'll that things will drop in terms of solids production or what have you in terms of if 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 the feed quality isn't there. So they would be very strong in terms of, of identifying when when covers are gone a bit strong and when when there needs to be a a, a few paddocks let cut out of the round. Um so that material, I suppose, it, it, it does both. It, it keeps the, the grass and management in check and quality in check at the at the peak of the growing season, and it gives them those reserves in terms of the high-quality feed. So, again, they're, they're, it's, it's a win-win, really. Okay, so finally, Pat, I suppose I'll just ask you, what, what advice would you give to other farmers that are out farming on heavy soils, we'll say, for, from what you've learned from the programme with the lads? And as you said, like they've contributed a lot to what you've learned as much as what you've contributed to them learning too. Like. Absolutely, yeah, we're, we're, we're all the time learning off each other. It's very much a, a group effort. Um, look, I suppose the main message is is to have the farm set up um, such that it's resilient as possible. As I said, there is going to be, look, we haven't had a summer like 2012, obviously, in a decade now. That's not to say there isn't one around the corner. Um, there has been very wet springs and very wet back ends in, in the last number of years, really, um, which have put people under pressure. But it's, again, having the system set up, you know, uh, the areas that are that need to be drained, that that's done appropriately um, and done in a way that you'd see a return from it. The areas that need to be looked at in, so, in terms of soil fertility, um, sampling every paddock every year is what we've done in the program, and that's look from a, a research question point of view. But certainly, every paddock should be sampled um, reasonably, um, you know, uh, 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 on a on a reasonable time frame, uh, repeated on a reasonable time frame. That that information is there. Pick out the paddocks that are underperformers. Get those up and running. Have your access. Have your roadways. Have your systems in place that. You're not going to have the opportunities if, if as you would if the if the soils were a lot drier and and there is more difficulties in terms of management and all that taken into account. But it's it's setting up the system that that there is options there that it, that you know that if there is 
windows of opportunity, I suppose, that this, the farm is set up to be a bit more resilient and, and to take those opportunities really is, is what it comes back to. Okay, very good, Pat. Thanks for coming on today and I appreciate you giving us your time. Thanks. No matter, Stuart. That's all for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Pat Tui for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Stuart Childs and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.